This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Friends, our second scripture today um, comes from Psalm 139, and it can be found in your Old Testament, uh, in the Pew Bible on Old Testament page 577. Um, We're going to be walking through this scripture in many ways today, so if you want to grab that Pew Bible, I invite you to do so and turn to Old Testament page 577. We'll also have it um, on the screens for you as well. Now, um, we are in the second week of our new sermon series, Year Without Fear. And it's been our hope to have a conversation about how God really desires us um, to be released from the shackles of fear that really hold us down so much in life. Now, I am not talking about the kind of fear that might make it difficult to watch certain parts of a scary movie or like justified fears, as I just talked about with the kids, like a fear of snakes, which I believe everyone on the planet should have a healthy fear (laughs) of snakes. And it's biblical, okay? Snakes are bad, okay? Snakes are bad, that's right. You don't even have to read that much of the Bible to know that. Snakes are bad. But we're talking about the kinds of fears that really stop us in our tracks, that prevent us from living into the full purpose of life that God might have for us. Last week, we talked about the fear of change. And today, we're going to address the fear of closeness. Closeness. Other words we could use might be vulnerability, um, maybe intimacy. Um, But this is something that, especially as I I believe I see society continue to progress and progress, um, something that seems to be more of a regular fear in our world, the fear of knowing and being known, the fear of knowing and being known. More often, I feel like people are creating barriers around themselves um, so that we feel protected from the possibilities of of being hurt by someone, being offended by someone, being let down or betrayed or our trust being broken. Um, We fear, and I feel, are are fearing even more and more um, what it is to really be close. And the good news is that long before God um, ever challenged us with what it meant to get up close and personal with others, um, God, God, got up close and personal with us. And that is, that is the heart of the scripture that we're going to read um, today. From Psalm 139, in, in my Wesley Study Bible, the, the heading for this psalm is the inescapable God. The inescapable God. So let's hear these words. This is verses 1 through 18. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. 
The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I think one of the things um, we will often associate with closeness when we, when we bring up that word is, is a, physical, a physical distance. And that's really not what we're talking about um, this morning. We're not talking about the fear of being like, confined to a tight space with someone or being close, which can you know, possibly actually be scary. Um, but this closeness that we are referring to um, this morning is a depth of knowledge and intimacy about someone else um, or, or that someone else might have for yourself. And, and in the very first verse of our scripture, um, we receive what I believe is the word that kind of frames the whole psalm for us, and that is the word know. Um, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have searched me and known me. The Hebrew word for know is yada, yada. And let me tell you, there is a derivation of that word that is Yoda. <laughs> and I tried so hard this week to make this connection. I googled every, like, every Star Wars thing I possibly could. How could this be a coincidence that like, the most knowing Jedi in the whole story is not based on this biblical Hebrew word for no? I couldn't find anything. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to write a book on it. I'll call George. Lucas, I call him George now. <laughs> Very familiar with his work. Um, but this word, no, that comes up so much in Scripture, and this, this biblical Hebrew word, yada, it was a very, it's a very broad term, but most often when it's used in Scripture, it's meant to refer to a very intimate sense of knowing. And in it, it, it forms this psalm so much that in just the 18 verses that I read, this word comes up five times. It, it kind of frames it over and over. You've known me, you know my thoughts, you discern them. And the essence of the psalm can really be boiled down to, to one phrase that I saw in a commentary, and that's this. The divine you, capital Y, the divine you, God, knows me, knows me. And, and the next verse, verse 2, just continues down this path. It says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You'll see this throughout um, the Old Testament, this phrase, when I sit down and when I rise up. It's just one of the ways that they marked time in Scripture. So that's like the passing of a day. So you know every part of my day from when I sit down to when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from far away. So again, not, not close physical distance, but even when God seems far away, God knows our thoughts intimately. 
And the language of this psalm is, is beautiful in its presentation, but if we take a moment to really sit with the words of this psalm, um, chances are it might become slightly, maybe ever so slightly, unnerving to us. Think about it. Many of us have an aspect of ourselves that is ours. Many of us have an aspect of ourselves that is ours. Even those of us in the most committed and healthiest of relationships often have some part of ourselves that is reserved solely for us. And I'm not saying this as an indictment. It's good to have a filter. Trust me. Trust me. It is good to have a filter. If everyone just said and did exactly what they were thinking when they thought it, this world might be a very different, um, possibly chaotic, and even scary place. Sometimes it's good to keep something to yourself. Word of wisdom. Word of wisdom. Sometimes it's good to keep something to yourself. And yet still, even from those closest to us, if we're really honest with ourselves, there might be something somewhere that's, that's really still just ours. We do not have this luxury with God. We do not have this luxury with God. And when we think about it in that sense, and we continue to read um, this psalm for a bit, it becomes maybe less um, beautifully poetic and more alarmingly horrifying. Horrifying. Um, my, I have a different translation of the Bible. I'm a big fan of words, so when a word changes, like I like, I like to really delve into what that means. And in the Common English Bible, um, the second part of verse 3, which here says, you are acquainted with all my ways, it says, you are thoroughly familiar. Thoroughly familiar with all my ways. And I just think to myself, really? All my ways? That thing that I thought the other day, that I would never in my life share with anyone. That thing that I did so long ago that I've never really told anybody about for, beer, for fear of being humu- humiliated and ashamed. This addiction that I've been struggling with that's like tearing my family apart and ruining the world around me, but no one really knows about it except those closest to me, and they're suffering the most from it, but I'm so ashamed about it, I can't let anybody else know about it to actually help me. God just doesn't know, but is thoroughly, thoroughly familiar with it all? And the answer is yes. That's the answer the psalm gives. Inescapable. Inescapable. Now keep reading the psalm and see if the tone changes. You are thoroughly familiar with all my thoughts. You know every word. Every word? Every word that's on my tongue, even before I say it, so the ones I keep to myself, you know those too? You know every thought? Where can I go? Where can I go from your spirit? Where on earth can I flee from your presence? If I get close to you in heaven, of course you're there, but if I I descend to the deepest pit, even there, even there, God... You exist. You're telling me that there's no place within creation or my own spirit that I can go that you can't follow me to? Are you kidding me? This, this, 
seems a little more difficult to stomach. This seems a little more difficult to stomach. And it's a closeness that many of us, and again, even those in the healthiest and most committed of marital relationships and friendships and you name it, can't begin to fathom that kind of closeness and intimacy. It's something that is simply scary. And yet, I hear this psalm, and I receive it not only as as personal encouragement, but also as social challenge to me. Because if the God of the universe can love me and think of me and know me so well and so much that he would know me as if I was the only human being he'd ever created and know everything that's on my mind and everything that's on my heart and still choose to love me? If that is God's example to me, what then is my responsibility to the world around me? What then is my responsibility to know, to open myself up to being known and to know others around me, even those that I might have no desire to know because I feel that perhaps they aren't worthy of it. Because when I read this psalm and I think about what it means, I certainly don't always feel worthy of God's knowledge of me, that God would have that knowledge and still choose grace for me. And yet I receive it. This closeness can be scary. It can be scary because it leaves us open to being vulnerable, to being heartbroken, to being betrayed, all of those things that I've already said. And, and it's hard because if we've ever experienced those things, it, it makes us, you know, um, we desire it less. We actually fight it. We fight that kind of closeness. And yet, um, one of the most fundamental desires that humans have is a desire for love and belonging, a desire to feel love and belonging, and closeness is one of the ways that we experience that. And, and really what it requires is a form of courage. And I told you earlier that I loved words. I love this word courage. The etymology of courage comes from the Latin word cur, which means heart. Heart, so courage is literally a heart thing. And, and the kind of how early traditions understood this word courage was to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. To speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. And so closeness draws us closer to one another. It draws us closer um, to each other's hearts, but it, it requires courage. And we've been talking about that through this, um, through this sermon series that you know, anytime we encounter our fear, it can be risky. We're risking something. We're risking a part of ourselves. And yet, when we consider what we might be leaving on the table by not encountering that fear, by not opening ourselves up, it almost seems like we'd be better off just trying it out. Because on the other side, on the other side of approaching this fear of closeness and intimacy that, that so much of our world has, I believe are some beautiful things. I believe there's healing there. Because as, as more people get to know us, and perhaps as, as those people who, who we let in 
get to know more of the things that, that we are maybe to some degree ashamed about. We experience part of the love of God that loves us anyway when other people get close to us and they love us anyway. And we get close to them and love them anyway. And there is healing. There is real healing that happens in the midst of that. There's community. Community that can be um, family or even family beyond family. But I got to tell you, I have known families that do not know closeness with each other. And it's heartbreaking. And sometimes we have those seasons. Sometimes we have those seasons, but closeness really leads to community. It leads to accountability. Because as you, as you share things that you struggle with, those people who love you and who know and who are close to you have a desire for you to be on a path towards healing and wholeness. And I think most importantly of all, um, closeness leads to true intimacy. And that's a word that I want to land on um, today. Perhaps you've heard this expression before. Um, intimacy equals into me see. Intimacy equals into me see. We don't always have a desire to be known. We don't always have a desire to be seen. But when we open, when we open ourselves up to it, when we literally take the courage from our heart to open ourselves up to that possibility, there is so much beauty on the other side. And, and this is the good news of this scripture. The Bible says that God intimately knows us, thoroughly familiar with all my ways. The things that are on your mind and on your heart that, if, that you would think, if they knew this about me, they would never be my friend. If they knew this about me, they'd never be my friend. God knows all of that and still pursues and still pursues and still chooses to love and still chooses to redeem. This is the example of God and the power that's in really the second portion of our scripture where the psalmist asks these questions, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It's where, 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 and then if, 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 if I go here, if I go there, if I go to the ends of the earth, still, you're there. And the answer is truly nowhere. There's nowhere you can go that God's love won't follow you. And Jesus Jesus gives us the most beautiful picture of this in John chapter 13 when he washes his disciples' feet, when he intimately knows all of his disciples, when he knows that Peter is getting ready to desert him and deny him three times that night, when he knows that Judas is like five seconds from walking out the door and just for a bag of coin is going to turn him over to the authorities, which will ultimately lead to his death, and he washes both of their feet. He washes both of their feet, even in his intimate knowledge of their shortcomings, he chooses to be close to them. And even in the intimate knowledge of our shortcomings, God chooses to be close to us. God chooses to be close to you. And the beauty of the position that we're in is that we have something the psalmist didn't have. We have Jesus. We have the good news 
of Jesus, that all things are being reconciled, that God desires to make all things whole. And Paul, Paul lands on this really well in 1 Corinthians 13. We read from this chapter all the time, all the stuff about love. Love is patient, love is kind. You've heard that over and over again. But Paul talks about knowing right at the end, right at the end of this chapter. And he talks about um, how God is going to make this sense of knowing perfect. And he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know even as I have been fully known. Then I will know even as I have been fully known. And I wonder if um, there might be anyone in church today who struggles with feeling alone even when you're in a room full of people. Or if there is someone who is feeling so isolated from friends and from family that you don't feel like you have a real relationship in your life. First is the good news. The good news is that you are not alone. God knows you. God sees you. God loves you. And there is no amount of space that you can place between the love of God and your heart. So even in our deepest aloneness, we can read this psalm and know that God's presence is right there, is right there with us. That's the good news. The invitation is to consider what you're going to do about it. What you're going to do about that good news. That if that's the model of love that God has for you, what in the world does that mean about how you are called to love others? What in the world does that mean about how you are called to open yourself up to others? Closeness is scary. And maybe for you, right now, it's, it's something as simple as just thinking of someone in your life. Maybe that's the person that should be closest to you. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone you've fallen out of a relationship with. Maybe it's a name you can write down this morning in your bulletin and this afternoon. Just simply pray over it. Is God calling you to experience a greater sense of closeness with someone around you so that as your heart expands and know that you will take the first step, you will, take the, you will open up yourself as you invite others to open up to you. But know that closeness, even in just one direction, can have a ripple effect that can truly change the world around you. That can truly change the world around you. So you are loved. You are loved by the creator of the universe as though you are the only thing God ever created. That's great news. You are known deeply and intimately by that God every every. Um, success and every failure and that God still chooses to love you. Accept that grace. Receive that grace and then just as Jesus said, go and do likewise.
go and do likewise. Amen? Amen. 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 All to the glory of God.